0: Hello, welcome to Revive Marketing Podcast for Manufacturers. My name is Austin, and today we have a very special guest. Uh, Troy Nix from the Manufacturers Association of Plastic Processors joins us to talk about what makes MAP so unique and special and also gives us a little preview of what to expect at this year's MAP Benchmarking Conference. Uh, So let's jump right into it.
1: special guest today um troy nix he is the what, what what's your
2: title troy uh, they call me executive director but actually i'm a janitor i sweep the floors <laughs> clean the windows it really doesn't matter any anything that we need done that helps to service our customer that's the title man
1: that is excellent jack of all trades um do it all troy nix he is uh, the executive director of map the manufacturers association of plastics processors um troy why don't you uh First of all, thank you for joining us, um, and why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about MAP, about what you do there, about what MAP does, and um, yeah, why why it's such a cool organization that
2: uh, people should get get to know about. Well, then I'm going to tell you a story, man. I'm going to take you back like 21 <laughs> years, like I always do, but no, in reality, I think uh, the importance of understanding um, who MAP is, is where we came from. And uh, back in uh, 1996, there were a group of plastics processors that actually came together. And they had a mission, and their mission was uh, to create an organization that was for them. Because at that time, there really wasn't an organization specifically for processors and specifically for executives in the plastics processor industry. And so, uh, these, uh, executives, business owners, etc., there's like five or six of them came together in the summer of 1996 and, uh, met, met for like two and a half months. And what came out of that strategic planning process was an organization called at the time, the mid America plastic partners known as map. Right. And, uh, they created, the organization to service their needs so basically the same uh, the same mission that we have today in terms of how we connect people how we provide, people with information, how we help them to, to solve problems, and then how we give them a little bit of leverage over vendors. I mean, that's that's actually the same mission point and the same vision uh, that, that we had back 20 years ago. And so the organization was created by processors for processors and to be an organization for them. And that's why if you look at even today, uh, 21 board of directors, uh, 21 members of the board of directors all across the land from uh, New York to California to Texas, all the way to Wisconsin, and there's representation. Uh, processors uh, basically from across the country that provide the organization with advice and guidance. And then, what my staff does is we listen very carefully, and then we try to execute that advice and guidance in order to pro- provide value to our members. So, in essence, that that's uh that's kind of how we created and and what we currently do today. Uh, I, I like to say in the trenches and something. I was thinking about, because my mind goes a a million miles an hour, but um, when we changed our name, it took us 10 years. It took me 10 years to actually look at myself as an association executive. I I thought that was kind of a demeaning term, to be honest (laughs) with you. And now I'm an association executive, so I'm demeaning. I I don't know what the deal (laughs) is. But, but, you know, uh, we called our members partners. We didn't use the term member uh, until like 2005 when we started to kind of give in to the the fact that we are an association, but we just think we're a little bit different. And I always say trench warfare. You know, I have a military background, and and, uh, I I use a lot of analogies, and you guys have seen me speak a couple of times, and I go back to those days because it taught me so much. But, you know, in the military, when you got stuff done, you were in the trenches, man. You got it done. And I see that each and every day, and even Bill Carto, the Plastics Industry Association, known as Plastics, says, "Geez, Troy, the stuff you guys do in the trenches down there, we we don't even want to think about or do because it's not when a, what our mission is." And so, you know, you got some organizations whose uh, vision and mission are the thirty thousand foot view. I see it each and every day. The fact when you know I just got an email, somebody needs material right now. They need fifty pounds of material in their world. In their world, right now, that fifty pounds of material is all that matters. It's all that matters right now. And so what do we have to do? So, you know, if you think about our mission of connecting people, and I know you guys probably want to talk a little bit about networking, but networking just from the baseline standpoint, from in the trend standpoint is putting together somebody that has a, a, a need uh, with somebody that has a potential solution or, or uh, a proven anecdote. And so that's what we're doing each and every day from the baseline route of networking. That's what we have to do to solve problems. And, you know, before I got on the call, I was on the website, and uh, you talk about people that need help. And this doesn't even make sense. For a Plastics Manufacturing Association, if you look at some of the stuff we do, it really has nothing to do with plastics in and of itself. It has to do with how you run a business. And so you, now you take networking from the in the trench warfare to, OK, now we're going to go up a little bit higher just to how you run a business. Uh, so we, we've got issues right now with trucking. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but, you know, some of our members, a lot of our members are dealing with the fact that they can't truck, get trucks to pick up their product. Did you guys know that at all?
0: I, I did recall that
2: from the, the par four tour. They talked about that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think the trucking industry is is actually short tens of thousands of truckers, and they're having the exact same issue that we're having. You know, you can't find people to pass a drug test. You can't find people that want to show up for work. And so, you know, with that being said, now the trucking industry has leverage on us. And what are they doing? Anytime a vendor or anytime you have leverage in business, you have to maximize that leverage. And usually you get a better what? What do you get? A better price. Right? price yeah more money and that's what they're doing right now so I've got stuff right now out on the website hey you know, I'm getting surcharges. How are you guys handling this? Hey, what are you doing for lockout during during a mold change? How are you handling tariffs? Oh, my God, tariffs are killing me right now. And because there's so many people across this great nation in our industry that just really don't know what to do. And I've got that. And I think I, I, I said this uh, during the part four tours. I've got, you know, members all the way on one side saying, hey, you know, we push it all the way back to our customer. The customer's paying for it. And then I've got members all the way on the other side that are basically saying I've got a mold on the border right now. And guess what? It's going to sit there because nobody's willing to pay for it. And my customer needs to pay for it. But it's going to sit there until I get the money. And then I got people in between saying, okay, we went 50-50 to get the mold from the border. So once again, you know, we deal a lot on the business issues, not just on the technical issues of plastics. So networking at a little bit higher level. So I know I'm getting off track a little bit. But, you know, maybe uh, bring in the uh, audience in in a little bit of tune uh, with some of the things that we do on a daily basis.
0: Right, Troy, and I want to bring up a fact that you know you guys are are here as a kind of a conduit for support for the industry, um, and you guys just recently launched this new feature on your website that's kind of a portal for that. Can you can you tell me about what that does and how that helps the members?
2: Are you talking about the the actual form itself where yep. people exchange information? Right. Yeah. So so actually, uh, that's not a new feature. It's actually a feature that's been enhanced. But what we have the ability to do is. You know, if you think about it, if we can connect people, and this is what it comes down to, and I'll talk a little bit about our conference a little later on in terms of what we're doing in introducing actual tracks, but connecting people is essential. And so uh, if you go on the website right now, our members have the, the ability, just like a lot of I think organizations offer different blogs and services like this, but I think ours is is laser focused. Uh, So if you're having issues on, let's say, um, uh, general business issues, what what, what I just said, maybe work schedules, handling tariffs, et cetera. So we have a business area then all of a sudden, if you have issues with material, and once again, emails are coming across right now. So if you need a 50 50 pound bag of material, or you need a Gaylord, or you don't know where to find a material that can do X, Y, or Z, or you have excess material, um, this is all, this is basically what the material section of the website's for. And then you also have an equipment section. So if you have issues related to equipment, hey, I have a a 200 uh, ton Mitsubishi press and I lost a motherboard, you know, I, I can reach out via the equipment section and say, hey, can somebody help me? And then I know this sounds kind of weird, but we also have a job posting area on the website because so many of our members have, have jobs. We don't charge for this. It's just another opportunity. I tell people all the time, it doesn't hurt to put it out there. And, you know, we had this conversation a long time ago with a whole group of members that said, well, should we are, are we stealing uh, employees from one another? No. But by all means, that's not what it's out there for. What it's out there for is, is to post jobs so that others outside of our industry can see opportunities and say, hey, I want to go into that. And uh, so those are the four primary areas. And the interesting thing, in three out of the four, if you have an emergency issue – You can actually post your need. And then, if you let's say you you need to reach out to purchasing agents. So you can actually post a need and say, I want this need to go to all the purchasing agents in the MAP organization. With one click of a button, you can send an alert to all the purchasing agents in the MAP organization saying, I need this material. So we have an emergency outreach and actually those have to be approved uh, in the office, but we look at those, we immediately approve them so that if you need help right now, we're sending it out to hundreds, if not sometimes thousands of email addresses with one click of a button. That is cool outreach. That is very cool outreach and works the majority of the time, too.
1: Definitely. It's, it sounds like uh, networking is, is obviously a huge part of and a huge benefit of being a member of MAP. Um, would you say that that is the biggest benefit? And what, what are some of the others uh, outside of just the collaboration that you get with the friends in the industry?
2: Yeah, so, so check this out. I'm going to go way back. Um, when we started the organization, just like when you start any business, you're like willing to do anything. You're willing to do anything for that $549 membership fee. You're willing to do anything for $999. It's absolutely amazing. And, you know, when I sell now, when I sell a membership, I don't think I sell anymore because I believe so wholeheartedly in what we do that if you can't see it, I don't even want you involved. Isn't that the craziest thing? I literally and we talk of, and there's a concept of and and the concept of how do you get competitors to come around the table and help one another? Because I'll tell you what, guys, in 1998, when I had competitors sitting around the table, some of them wouldn't look at each other or talk to one another. (laughs) And And that's a God's honest truth. And so here we are, 20 years under the umbrella of this organization, and it's not been easy. And you still have some of those organizations that are kind of closed. They don't want to talk to one another. But in the spirit of leadership, when I get in front of the members, I constantly talk about what happens when you begin to share. And I talk, you know, it's kind of biblical in sense, but, man, when you help a man out today, it comes back tenfold tomorrow. And I continue to share that because I do see in the fact that when you, when the helper actually provides the assistance, how that assistance actually comes back to the helper. It sounds so weird, but it happens time and time again. So I don't sell anymore from I want you to join, I want you to join. I sell from this concept of you have to be the right fit. And in the right fit, I want an organization who understands that they're not isolationists and that they want to they'll be willing to share because they know that when somebody reaches out and they have that problem, that they're gonna have the same problem. It might not be today, it might not be tomorrow, it might not be in a month, but in a year or two years, they'll have the same damn problem and and they'll wanna reach out and have somebody fix it. So when I look at networking as a valuable asset of the organization, it it is true. But I wanna say one more thing about networking and something that just basically hit me like a brick uh, back in December of, of last year, 2017. I had a company owner who just recently sold his business. He'd been out of the marketplace for about six, seven months, and he called me out of the blue and said, hey, Troy, I wanna fly from the East Coast, and I wanna have dinner with you right before Christmas. I'm like, wow, okay. So we sit down for dinner, and what he told me was profound. And I don't really know how to put this in any any sort of marketing literature or anything like this. You just gotta get it. But in 21 years in serving in this capacity, nobody has ever told me this. He looked at me across the table and he said, you earned me $5 million. And I looked at him, kind of tilted my head, you know, when a dog hears that funny sound and they (laughs) tilt their (laughs) head. That's what I did. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, Troy, he said, when I came in the organization over a decade ago, I thought I was running a good business. But then I started to network and I started to learn what other people other uh, professionals and executives and company leaders and owners and presidents and GMs were doing in their own organizations. But he said, most importantly, I began to learn about the resources that they were using. And something that I pull out all the time, Mike Devereaux, he runs our R&E tax uh, credit program. And, you know, sometimes what we do each and every day is we actually stake our reputation on others just like you guys you guys are uh you are vibrant in the marketplace as a marketing firm and our members need marketing and if they're not using you then they better be using somebody because if they're not marketing right now if they're not using the kind of branding and positioning that you guys provide man they're missing the boat well when i was talking to this business executive who sold his company for many multiples he basically said that was one example of a resource when he he met devro and he's like what wow, this is a no brainer i will i will stake my reputation on Devereaux. he has helped many of our members who, who the irs came knocking on their doors and saying hey you can't do this you can't do that and devro ends up getting them more money so what i learned was that it, this is a hard one it's like do you want to pay a membership due of a 1000 bucks a year or whatever it is right To then later on down the road, maybe in five years or 10 years or 15 years, to be able to look back at that track and go, oh, my God, look how I've changed how I've managed my business. Because the association opened up doors of opportunity in areas that I never even thought about about my business. So, you know, networking is key. And I I would say that of of everything that we do, it's how we put people together uh, that is so key. Yeah, we do a lot of other things, but at the end of the day, and, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what. A uh, long time ago, and I still do to a sense bait and switch people. Hey, if you join the organization, you can save money, right? right? Because everybody wants to save money, but really, it's not about saving money. It's about increasing returns on investment. And if and but if you talk that way to a brand new person, they can't conceive. They don't understand it. And this is why I get so crazy when we offer our annual benchmarking conference in October. We've been doing this for 16 years, and when you show up what I look at is there's six hundred and fifty opportunities for you to get better. and actually six forty nine because when you show up, you're one of those six fifty so six hundred and forty nine ways for you to get better. Think about that, you guys, because everybody has a story. And if you're smart, you sit down and you ask people, what's your story? Because when people talk about their stories, you begin to learn. It's like, oh, my God, you went down that road and you took a left where I took a right and I ran into a brick wall. And now you're making a couple more million dollars. <laughs> right. Right. Isn't it crazy? So. I hate it when I got I still have members today that haven't yet to uh, attend a benchmarking conference, even though, you know, our, our attendance rate is going through the roof. We've grown every uh, every year for the past 10 years in terms of our uh, conference attendance and it keeps going. And I would love to say that it keeps going because of the outstanding content and because Troy's a great speaker and I'll be a bunch of lies because really. What makes it go is this reunion sense of the people that are coming here, sitting around the table, developing relationships each and every time they intersect. And those relationships are so powerful and they're leveraged time and time and time again. That's really, I think, why the conference is, is growing like it is, even though I do think we have great time. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, definitely. This will be uh, this will actually be my
0: third conference. Clint, is this your fourth conference? Uh, th- yeah, fourth yep
2: clay you're getting old man I, getting
0: old. I, I tell me about it i know the
1: big 30s coming up here in a couple oh months. my <laughs> god i know oh so. god forbid. all right actually
0: i'm not even 29 and a half yet so let's not get ahead of ourselves but yeah, um so troy how do you you know how does how do you keep these conferences fresh you know other than the speakers i, I know we're doing some new things this year with the labs yeah. um you know what's What's yeah. what's your expectation for the turnout, and how do you keep differentiating these things and making people come back? Is it just the the collaboration, collaborate? Can't even talk collaboration. Yeah, no
2: collaboration. Yeah, collaboration, no. like you said. This is interesting because uh, we use a recipe, and the recipe is uh, education, inspiration, and motivation. And to me, if you have if you have the you know, I don't care if you're making cookies, and let's say that, that recipe is a third, a third, and a third. Because everybody's coming for something different. You guys, it's amazing to me when we bring in a keynote speaker. And, and we have $70,000 invested in our keynote speakers this year. And, you know, that in and of itself carries with it a little bit of anxiety. We're renting out the whole hotel. That carries with it a little bit of anxiety. But what I tell the staff is if we do the right things in terms of education, motivation, and inspiration, everybody coming will take something away. And um, it's amazing to me, you know, because we look wholeheartedly and we do a ton of research um, post conference uh, and then a pre conference to try to get an understanding what people are taking away from the event. And you might have a speaker like uh, last year um, we brought in a sports figure and, you know, that sports figure did kind of marginal uh, overall. But with that being said, there were people that that made their conference for them. And it's like so. He was kind of on the motivating uh, side of the house, and and so. But for others, you know, it was the it was Connie who talked about personalities. And that was educational and a little bit fun, too, on top of that. Uh, but but people really enjoyed that because they began to understand how they could be a more effective communicator and why sometimes their message doesn't get through to the people that they're communicating to. So once again, um, what we try to do is keep things. And, and, man, if we can shock people, you know, and it's hard to shock people year after year after year. And I'll tell you right now, we're going to shock people. When people come in this ballroom this year – They're going to stand at the door and they're going to go, what in the world is happening? That's what they're going to do. And you know what? Sometimes when you change like this, people don't like it, but we have to change. And one of the reasons that we have to change is because the conference is getting so big, we have to conserve space. And so uh, we're going to conserve a little space, but people are going to come in and they're going to say, oh, this is different. So, yeah, we have to stay different. And also, you know, if you look at what we've done year in and year out, we're this conference has traditionally and where it's taking us now. It's about leadership, you guys. And you know that. I think you saw that at part four. It's something I want to talk a little bit about if we have the opportunity today. But it, it's it's about having the ability to, to come in uh, and listen to people that have been places that you can't even think of going. And just like, how, how, General McChrystal, who's our keynote speaker this year, how did you get an entire army? To follow you. And if you think about that, if, if one person can get an entire army of people to follow them, then why can't we as leaders get four or five people or get 50 people or get 100 people to follow us? So I, I'm a firm believer that if we study what other people have effectively have done in terms of leadership, that we can truly impact our organizations. And you guys have heard me say it. i say it time and time again. There's no better way for you to increase your bottom line than, than to increase your ability to lead people. That's how you do it. And you saw that at Part four plastics. You know, something about leadership, and I go over this time and time again, at par four plastics, and I just wrote my director's letter on this in Plastics Business Magazine, and I talked about this concept that there is no one silver bullet, you guys. There is a workforce dilemma in the marketplace. Ninety-nine percent of the uh, processors who filled out this year's state of the industry report basically said, we need workers, and we don't know how to get them. It's killing us. The, the lack of skilled workforce is killing us. But I don't know. You saw par four plastics. What are they doing? They had a whole bushel basket full of stuff that they're doing. Not just one thing. They talked about recruitment from the uh, from the uh, technical schools and integrating with the high schools. They talked about how they onboard people, which was phenomenal. They train the heck out of people. I walked out of that um, I walked out of that training class, Austin and or the uh, par four, and I said, "These people are." are it's like one of the best training companies I've ever seen. Cross training, retraining, um, training for hire, uh, training for advanced positions. When you actually get promoted in Par Four Plastics, they test you before you go to the promotion, make sure you hadn't forgotten all the stuff you were supposed to learn before you got there. So I go and I look at that and i said, that is leadership right there. Because if you look at their incentive program, pay for performance program, they have to bundle together and they, their management team understands that that is what must be done in order for them to be the employer of choice. So now I circle all the way back to the conference, because here's a story. If you're sitting next to Tim Caps or Crystal Caps at the conference and you say, what's your story? Then you're going to find out what they're doing. And if you can't learn from that, man, then you, you're not listening. You know that you're not listening, and there's all uh, 650 people that have those stories. Go ahead,
0: definitely. Yeah, I think uh, like you said that par four is just a you know a class A organization. They have people lined out the door just to get to get working there, and they're in Marion, Kentucky. I don't even know the population of where they're at, and it's it's, it's minus
2: like minus six, right? It's it's just <laughs> remarkable. Um, so
0: what you you just spoke on the the workforce and needs. What are you seeing people doing differently other than par four? Um, they're kind of unique in their own sense, but across the board, what are you seeing unique that people are doing to get workers in the door?
2: Yeah, well, you know, this is interesting because last week I had a conversation with Kevin, uh, Kevin Allison, and Kevin is the vice president um, of uh, uh, sales and market development at Crescent Industries, and they're in east the east side of Pennsylvania. I think you guys have just done some work with them. We yeah. worked with them a little bit, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, but it's interesting because in talking to Kevin. Uh, he was telling me a little bit about his outreach into the high school. So we have Manufacturing Week, Manufacturing Day coming up in October. And Kevin was telling me about, um, he heard me speak at NPE. And I challenged, he said, I challenged him in NPE. I didn't mean to challenge him directly, but I got pretty emotional, God, that's, which is pretty rare for me to get emotional. But I got pretty emotional in front of a group of manufacturers. And, and I got out in the audience and something came over me. And, and we were talking about recruiting the youth to the industry. And I said, shame on you all. If you don't want to if you don't feel comfortable enough to bring in a parent or a student or a teacher under your manufacturing force, it's shame on you because we're trying to prop up the image of what we're doing and say this is the place you need to be working. And Kevin, Kevin said when he left. That he had this sense of a challenge that said, "I got to get more people in here." So he's got twelve different um, educational institutions uh, right now. I think he's got nine high schools and three universities. Two-hour tours, and people are coming in on these two-hour tours. And he's got set up a day in the life of a mold maker, a day in the life of a plastics engineer, a day in the life of a plant manager to show these kids what they what they have the opportunity to do. So uh, to get back to your question, here's what I think, and I asked Kevin if he felt that this would be true, but it's my, my anticipation, my projection that right now there are a lot of companies that don't necessarily have a staff position that says education liaison, but it is becoming so important. And even Kevin's wearing like six different hats. And I told him, I said, sooner or later, Kevin, you guys have to have somebody that just focuses on recruitment and and developing relationships with the school boards and getting the students in and and educating the teachers and the parents. And he goes, oh, by all means, Troy. I said, I believe that that will be something in the future. And some people are beginning to be on the fringes, but you'll have a staff position that is a recruiter, that's an education liaison. And more and more companies, I I think, in the benchmark of things like the Bemises of the world are doing a good job of saying, "Okay, half time. This is what you're going to do. And it's in your job function, man. You're you're going on site and you're doing the job fairs and you're doing the the career days. You're doing anything and everything you can to elevate your image as an employer of choice. And this is kind of interesting. About three weeks ago, I was in Hartford and uh, I was with a tool company called Westminster Tool. And Ray uh, Combs is the uh, uh, is the uh, the owner and just a phenomenal organization average age of a tooling uh, a company was 33 years old guys he had a 21 year old actually she wasn't even 21 yet that Friday that I left was her 21st birthday and she was running the plant floor in a tooling operation for God's sakes and the reason I bring this up is Ray has done a phenomenal job and escalating this concept of being an employer of choice. So whether you go to the supermarket and you're talking to the to the manager of the supermarket, or you go to the bank teller, uh, or you go to the school, or you go to, you know, name another establishment, they're all talking about Westminster saying, You should go work there, because it's a great opportunity. He's got twelve people right now waiting for jobs. And job Position comes. Oh, we're, we're. I don't know if anybody else in the networks that I run where people are just like in line waiting to go to work for somebody, and so he's done that with that spirit of becoming an employer of choice, being a great leader in the community. And then having people in his own operation saying this is a great place of work, we own this, right? So I don't know. I'm kind of roundabout way of getting getting to the answer, but I'm telling you right now, becoming that employer of choice, um, having a focus in your strategic business plan that that says we have to have a person that is doing this on a regular basis is all key to solving this workforce issue.
0: Yeah, definitely. We do a, we do a lot of work with with Westminster and just their their mission and their vision. It's so clear from the get go. Uh, when we were at NPE, I met with a, a gentleman, I forget his name, um, but he was probably 20, 22 or 23. He said he just graduated college for accounting, and I said, how did you get into Westminster? He goes, oh, I talked to Ray, and I'm now the estimator. He said they let you kind of work your way around. They let you fill out different positions. They don't lock you in and say you're running this press for the rest of your life. So it's really cool stuff that they're doing over there as well
2: man you guys get around better than i do it's like Vive five is in 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 contact with all the great organizations across america maybe there's a commonality there huh right. i don't know maybe
0: <laughs> good branding good uh good people yep. so yep. awesome
1: austin and i obviously in vive are big fans of map but troy i wouldn't send sell yourself short obviously people do come to the conferences and look forward to seeing you speak um you're very energetic speakers you people that listening to this right now can tell um, so what's next for you Troy what, what personally um, outside of map what what's on your plate
2: you know just just talk specifically about this conference coming up and and um, you know it, it I'll be honest you know w- one of the things and it's so I have so much anxiety when the family comes in right because this is the family this is my life like if you cut me open right now it's not red I mean it's blue. It's matte blue that comes out of my veins, man. I've been doing this for so long, right? And even though, uh, obviously, I can't own a nonprofit organization, my staff and I feel like it's our company. And um, and I think that's the best way to service anybody when you feel it's yours. But, but there's, I have so much anxiety because I never want to waste anybody's time. And when I get in front of people, one of the things that I just work and work for is that I, if I take somebody's if I take 30 minutes or 22 minutes and this year, I think Leith giving me like 26 and a half minutes, man. I got to get a message in and out. <laughs> I want for people to think about what I've said because I've experienced pain in my life or I've experienced significant failure and to say, wow, you know, look at how he screwed up. Right. Because that's what I usually do. I screw up and then I learn from it and then I share it with everybody. But um, something that hit me uh, the other day, and it's it's pretty emotional, you guys. It's this concept of why are you guys in the office right now? What the hell are you doing? Think about it. To every listener that's listening this, what the hell are you doing, what you're doing for And sooner or later, it comes down to the fact that, and I'm not going to give my whole presentation away, but there's this fuel inside of each and every one of us. And sometimes we got to take a step back and discover what the hell that fuel is. And um, that fuel comes in the form of a three-letter word, W-H-Y. That's what it is. And so I'm going to talk about W-H-Y. And um, I have a feeling that there's going to be a subset of the conference. I won't impact everybody. But there will be a couple of people that will come up and say, oh, my God, you hit me right between the eyes. And the reason I'm telling you this, that I know it will happen, is because I hit myself right in between the eyes the other day.
0: That's, yeah, that's – discovering your why is one thing that's huge nowadays, too. That's something that we really focus on is, you know, we can – give you a pretty website or give you a pretty piece of collateral but you really got to put the message behind why you're doing it um and as much as it goes for brands it goes for for people as well and why you're doing what you do every day so i really i like that a lot i can't
2: wait to hear yeah. can't wait to yeah. hear the rest of it it'll be fun i think it'll it'll be fun and, and you know just a, a capstone of, of what's happening I, we're bringing in uh david horsinger and uh he's gonna talk about trust you guys and i had a opportunity to introduce him and to moderate a panel with him on it the other day a couple months ago now and uh, this guy runs an organization called the trust institute and he wrote this book and actually my staff is studying this book called the trust edge and it's absolutely amazing but it was interesting you know my background coming from the military academy at west point and when i came in to listen to him talk and i went up on stage after he was done i i looked at him and i uh, You know, I don't want you to take this the wrong way. But when I heard you were speaking, I was like, what am I going to get from you? You know, what am I going to learn? I I live under an honor code for God's sakes. What are you going to teach me about trust? And I'll tell you what, man, this guy blew me away. I would say in the 20 some years that we've been putting on conferences and we've been recruiting speakers, this guy's in the top three. Like, I could have listened to him all day long. He brought a, a lot of humor to, to the place. But, man, he challenged you to say, when you say, I don't trust you, what that really means. And when, when he's done and you guys listen to this, I guarantee you, you will never say to somebody, I don't trust you categorically. Because I don't trust you categorically means that you're probably not even a person. You could not insult somebody more by telling them I don't trust you. That's what I learned. In this so it's pretty cool and then uh, uh, in the midst of that we're bringing in um, a guy that um, I've spent a little bit of time with and um, he's a uh, he's a summiter so he's he's actually reached the top of Everest right oh, wow. but he didn't make it the first time and he didn't make it the second time um, but the interesting thing about his story what what I think is interesting about his story is he connects uh getting to the top of Everest with his biggest climb of all, and that is beating cancer. Oh, geez. Not, not once, but twice. Wow. And so this guy, if, if if you can't get some inspiration, so here's that concept. Uh, the Trust Edge, you know, David, is all about education and some motivation. And then uh, we're bringing in, and gosh, his name is, is absolutely escaping me and it's driving me insane. <laughs> Alan Hobson. So... So bringing in a guy that who, who has has summited Everest, uh, but did didn't get there on the first time or the second time. And you know, you're you're going through this presentation, you're like, Oh, that you know, that's pretty cool, climbing a mountain, and then and then he's faced with battling his life uh, for his life, and not once but twice. And um, the inspiration that comes out of this is like I know we all have problems. But, man, when you hear this, I mean, you're able to kind of – you walk away. It's like, well, my problems aren't that big. And if he could handle it, then I think I can handle it. So that's that inspiration part of the event. And then the motivation part is bringing in four-star retired General McChrystal who's from the Academy. So I cannot wait to shake this guy's hand. I've been looking forward to this for the last year, but a leader of all leaders um, I think will provide significant motivation at our close. So I think there's somebody for every, every everybody. And then we mentioned a little bit about the, the conference tracks where we're actually going to try to spend less time in the general session room and more time with our, with our functional areas, whether in human resources or engineering or sales and marketing, what have you. Uh, you own a company or your president, you're looking for mergers and acquisitions, whatever that is, we're trying to develop these tracks. So you come in and you get inspired and you become educated and you get motivated. Then you go out uh, with your peers and then you come back in and you go back out, you know, you eat, you drink, you eat, you drink, you listen, you you know, all that stuff together. So that's what we're going to try to do this year. So we're going to have about 28 different sessions, um, which is really taxing our staff. And the sessions, what we're trying to do is that each session, is we're having it, we're, we're doing our best to make sure it's driven by the industry. The people that you serve and the people that I serve is they have the solutions and they're practical. So they're doing things in their own organizations and we basically want them to share, you know, whether it's, you know, how you're responding to the new IATF uh, certification or what you're doing with lockout tagout during the mold change or gosh, you name it, man. I think there's literally going to be something for everybody. So I'm definitely looking forward and hopefully the those who are listening to this, the thousands and thousands and thousands of people who are listening to this, uh, hopefully they'll want to show up in Indianapolis uh, in October uh, to uh, to check this event out because it's worthwhile.
0: Definitely, yeah. The Map Conference is something that you know the Vive team loves to do every year. Uh, Indianapolis is a beautiful city, so we're really excited to see all the new the new features that you guys are going to put on for us. Nice, nice, awesome.
1: Yeah, we're. Uh we really appreciate your time, Troy. I don't know if you have anything else that you want to say, but um, usually you have to spend the big bucks to get this much time with a guy like Troy Nick. So we really appreciate it. We look yeah, forward right. to seeing you <laughs> No, we we do, we really do. And we look forward to, to seeing everybody and, and, and seeing you at the map conference in October, which is uh, next month, Six which is wild. Today, yeah. yeah. So it's creeping we, up. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, I I just want I want to thank you guys for giving me the opportunity uh, to kind of spread the word a little bit and and to preach a little bit. Uh, But even with that said, you know, I'm in the business of of helping others. Uh, Map is in the business of, of trying if we can each and every day, if we can just whether it's through the information we provide, because we we relieve a little bit of the burden. Uh, or there's a contact that somebody needs and they didn't know it was out there. And we le- relieve just a little bit more of the burden. So when I, my staff comes together, we talk in our staff meetings every week. It's about what are we doing to relieve the burden so that so that our companies can be a little bit better. So when I come full circle, that's why Vibe is, is in this game. You guys are in this game because you are making our members better at what they do. And from a top line sense, this is where you guys come into play. Um, because, uh, you know, over the last 20-some years, if there's anything manufacturers don't do well is they don't brand or market well. And uh, if there's any message I can send in the marketplace is the fact that you need, you need to take a look at what you look like in the mirror. And if you don't like it, then they need to be calling you guys uh, to figure it out, to help you figure it out because we can't be experts at everything. And um, and I know in our business, we are not experts at everything and we have to rely on others um, specifically when it comes to things like this to help us. Oh, we so should. anyway, I, I appreciate your time.
1: Well, thanks, Troy. We appreciate the kind words. And uh, yeah, we, we, I'm a big believer in if, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. <laughs> yeah, so right I mean, you should always be learning. And always, yeah, MAP is a great
0: organization for that. So yeah, I really appreciate the time today, Troy. Uh, we'll let you get back to it, get ready for the conference, but we, uh, we can't wait to see you uh, in October.
2: Awesome, man. Thanks a lot, you guys. Have a good one. You Thanks, too. Troy. Thanks, Troy. Right. Take care.
0: Again, I want to thank Troy Nix for uh, taking the time to do this interview with us. And uh, we really look forward to the MAP Conference. Every year it's something that the VIVE team really enjoys going to. Uh, the people there are just phenomenal. Indianapolis is a great city, so we're very excited. And So, yeah, that that about does it for our show today. Um, feel free to stop by our, our iTunes page and like and subscribe uh, and listen to our episodes. Thanks again. <laughs>